Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all staying grounded, taking the time to be still, listening, and get that delicious voice in your heart to speak right back to you. I'm so, so, so grateful that you chose to tune in today, and I'm super excited to be introducing this week's incredible guest, Miss Michelle Soros. So, Michelle is a new friend of mine. In fact, this conversation that we had was one of the first conversations we've ever had, and it was firecrackers. (laughs) I love this woman. She's amazing. She's a heart-braced entrepreneur that puts so much of her own soul into everything she creates. She's the host of the Fire and Soul podcast, which is an incredible podcast that's very similar and aligned with what we talk about on Stay Grounded. She's a former TV show host. Uh, She's created several businesses. And one of the things that I just really, really, really admire about Michelle and this conversation is how we all brought it back to the heart. I, more than ever now, I'm starting to realize the role that your heart plays in sort of creating the dream life that you want and living into a space of fulfillment and love and connection and clarity. Because Although we are taught to think from our minds, although we are taught that mindset is everything, I don't know if I believe that's true anymore. I believe that your mind is a servant of your heart. And when you really lean into the voice in your heart and you get clear on values and you get aligned with what's true for you, your mind then becomes the most powerful ally on your journey to a beautiful life, whether it's more fulfillment, whether it's more clarity, whether it's love. And in this episode, we talked everything from How do you really get out of your comfort zone? What does it mean to dance with uncertainty? How do you find and sit with the stillness in your heart? And you, how do you learn to sort of discern between fear and desire? How do you play inside of life in that uncertainty and actually lean in to trusting that the universe is unfolding exactly as it should and giving you opportunities that you couldn't even dream of in, in, in your, in your, on your best days? And uh, I've personally been going through a lot of changes in my life, and we talk a little bit about that on the show too. But just in general, I love this conversation with Michelle because it was such a beautiful reminder of how powerful life can be when you truly live from your heart. And if you don't know what that means, tune into this episode, take notes, and really lean in and allow this to sort of push the boundaries of what you're doing in your life. Where are you living from? Where are you making decisions from? Are you leading from your heart? Or are you doing the things that you're supposed to do, falling into the traps of need and obligation so that, and, and, and feeling trapped as a result? So, so excited for this one. Enjoy it. If you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes, all that means, or any of the podcast apps for that matter, all that means is that any single time we drop something new, it just falls right into your inbox. And uh, yeah, take notes with this one. Enjoy it. If this was impactful for you, leave us a review, say hi to Michelle. All of the show notes are, or the links are in the show notes for how you can get in touch with Michelle and be involved in anything that she's up to. But 
Yeah, guys, uh, let's keep dancing. Let's keep playing. Uh, let's keep leaning into our hearts. And to help us do that is this week's incredible guest, Michelle Soro. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you're all staying grounded in these trying times. I am super grounded and super excited at the same time to be having a conversation with you, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you. I am super excited to be here as well. So thank you for having me. I know we had a, a, a mutual friend talk about how we were the perfect fit for each other on this. So I'm just so excited about the conversation where it's going to go. And even before we started recording, I really feel like I'm, 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 a, I'm an empath in general. And I know we're recording this via screen, but I can feel into the heart behind the way people speak about what they love and what they want to do in their lives. So I guess I would love to start there with what does heart-based leadership mean? Mm, I love that question. For me, I call myself only because I've had people now tell me this is who I am. I probably wouldn't have coined the phrase for myself, but I've been called a heart-centered entrepreneur, a heart-centered leader, uh, a heart-centered courage activator, which I love the most. And then I added that to my website. I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> and what it means is that I just lead from my heart but it's deeper than that. It's from my soul. Like I have a podcast called Fire and Soul. And what it means is taking inspired action. I don't believe in anything manufactured or pumped up. The rally this, rally that. It's inspired action. It's calling you into being braver, mm. more courageous, just being a braver version of yourself, but from an aligned place. So it's never out of harmony. It doesn't feel like it's contraction. It's expansive. So if I were to really answer what is heart-based leadership look like, it's soul-centered consciousness. And from there, when I get quiet enough to listen, I always know what the right thing is for me, my mission, my life, the impact that I want to make, and what I want to feel within my own self. And when I lead from that space and that state, I can't go wrong. And so I don't believe in hustle, grit, and grind. I just believe in ease, grace, and flow. So that's a long-winded way of probably trying to describe something that's fairly nebulous but it's very real when you're living in that alignment. It feels like a flow and there's no efforting. And it just feels like life is a big gift. And uh, I just get to be a part of, of the magic. What do you think stops people from living in their hearts? There's so many different answers to that. Um, what comes to mind is, for me, the biggest growth to take me out of my comfort zone and certainty um, and or significance is being in the rooms of personal and spiritual development. Um, going to these seminars. I mean, I've, I've now invested like $200,000 just in the past few years. And at 45 years old, I mean, my soul woke up to knowing that I was made for more. So proximity truly is power in that realm. And I don't mean where you get in the rooms to try to network with people. I mean, you're around people who are thinking bigger, being better, you know, learning more, especially in these times. And then you can't help but be stretched beyond your limited and maybe subconscious fixed mindset. This is the way it's always been. This is what I've always done. And you just start to just think more expansively. Um, so I think proximity for sure Finding a couple, I don't believe in many, but finding a couple of role models that you can truly model after they walk their talk. But we have to, at first, I think, 
start to look externally just to see, well, who's modeling what I really like? And, and they're really genuinely happy and their life is just not about the social feed. Their, their life is even better behind the scenes. Those are the people that I was seeking out. Authenticity was so, so important to me. And so I think that some of that stuff can get in the way. The other thing that I think that gets in the way is who would I be if I did that? So a massive fear of what others would think um, if I went after launching that podcast or started to put myself out there on live video on social media, or I put photos of myself out there that weren't perfectly filtered, you know, and curated with the right content that I've edited 500 times. And we just allowed ourselves to let go of perfectionism and just, you know, sort of live from the space of it just being really real and really raw. I think the world wants more of that. They're hungry for that, but it takes a tremendous amount of courage. So the final answer, the trifecta of this is being willing to step out of your comfort zone, which is where I believe all the magic is and what we truly want in life. It's just beyond the comfort zone. What made you want to seek spirituality as a gateway or an outlet to sort of experiencing more in your life? Because you said, you know, you're in your 40s now, like you hadn't, you've really done so much work pretty recently in a lot of ways, like really kind of awakening and arriving here. But what made you realize that, you know, there was a spiritual aspect to the growth that you wanted to experience in your life? And and and, and can you paint the picture around what made you very clear on that? Because I think there's a lot of people that are either hustling, doing the things, they're working all the time, they're looking for answers but they haven't learned how to distinguish between something that they see in front of them and something that they feel in their hearts. So what does that calling actually look like and feel like? And how did it show up for you in your life? So when I said that I woke up in my mid forties, I woke up to actually what my purpose is, but my spirituality has always been intact. I happen to have been raised by a family that's always been into spiritual growth and personal development. So I just happen to be one of those rare people that this was common. We meditated, we journaled, we did our gratitude post-it notes all over the house every day. We were listening to Tony Robbins when I was a teenager, like on cassette tape, driving my old 1979, you know, Honda Accord. So it's always been my rhetoric. It's always been my lane, but I had never gone to a physical room, to an arena, to an event, to a seminar like that. But like, for example, I, for 18 years, I was heavily involved with Agape International Spiritual Center led by Reverend Michael Beckwith, who's really well known around the world. I led various ministries for years. I did a non-accredited, non-accredited degree in transformational religious studies there. So I have always been spiritual, but applying it as a conscious leader, which by the way, I've only been using that term for about a year. I just wanted to make an impact. I wanted to serve. I wanted to give back. I wanted to get out of significance of the TV hosting world I had been in for nine years. So the exact defining moment of when it all shifted for me and when I woke up, it was at a Tony Robbins event. Take them or leave them. I went to an event called Date with Destiny in December of 2017. I was on a show called Extra doing a shopping segment. I'd been in TV retail for seven years. And I had one intention going into that event. And it was... Tony, help me turn this little weekly segment into a full-time Emmy award-winning television host role one day. And by day four of that week-long program, I dropped to my knees and I started sobbing. And I remember Sia's chandelier was just blasting throughout the arena, 5,000 people. It's a very finite moment for me because I heard a voice that said, you are made for so much more. And it had nothing to do with the fact that 
I'm throwing shade at television hosts. Some of them are my closest friends. It was, that wasn't going to be for me anymore. Then the next piece of me waking up was, but wait, I'm attached to this. This is my identity. This is all I care about. This is all I want to do. It's all I've ever wanted to do. And I heard a voice say, that was your five-year-old little girl dream. That was Mm. to get significance and to to feel like you mattered and that you were worthy in the world. You're a grown-ass woman. You're conscious. You've woken up. You can't go back. You're made for more. And so I heard it again. And it was like, well, what does that look like? And all I knew is that I surrendered to that moment. And I didn't really know where to start. But three months later, I had discussions with Janie, our podcast producer. And I think she's your producer, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's how you got connected. Okay. Fantastic. I knew that she connected. I didn't know though, if you were um, a client of hers as well. Um, she's become one of my closest girlfriends as well, but I started with a podcast and then started doing training and coaching programs. And that's where the spirituality started to show up in everything that I teach. You know, we've heard the phrase that 80% of all business or 80% of weight loss or 80% of relationships is all psychology or all mindset. 20% is the mechanics and logistics, right? well, you want to be an entrepreneur and make an impact in the world. It's like 90% mindset, but I would take it deeper. And it's like, it's what is your spirituality? Where's your inner compass? And that informs your mindset. So I've had, I've had fast growth in my business, but it's because I believe that my spirituality is leading the way. Well, that's the beautiful kind of come back to heart-based entrepreneurship, heart-based anything. It's the spiritual undertone, which then is the compass, the alignment, the connection to source or the connection to something greater, bigger that you really can't explain, which then leads to the, it's almost like the heart is the master and the mind is the servant. So yes, mindset helps, right? The habits help, the affirmation, all that stuff helps, but the heart is really where you're finding that inspiration and that guiding light to say yes in the face of fear. And yes, in the face of all those noises and yes, in the face of all those external factors that are telling you to stay, to be small, to be here. So you just bring up such a good point that circles back to one of the first questions that you asked, which is how did this all happen? Or what do people need to do that maybe aren't in that mindset? And it was like, everything that we want is just outside our comfort zone, if we're really honest about it, right? And by the way, everything we currently have and enjoy was also at one point outside our comfort zone, right? If we can walk, we can talk, we can ride a bike, we can drive a car, we can do a podcast. At one point in our lives, we did not know how to do those things, right? And it's tremendous practice and repetition and bravery to try those things on and an unwillingness to stop so that we could learn to master it. And so, but when I think back to that moment that dropped me to my knees metaphorically and figuratively at that date with destiny event, my heart was wide open. I mean, I told you the song that was playing on the arena. I'm aware of every moment. I can remember the scent in the air. I can remember the tears streaming down my face. I can remember, Mm. you know, them walking the face. So my heart was so open. So I had access, which is why I fundamentally believe going back to that first response to you earlier Put yourself in the rooms with the people who are also, you know, taking big steps of bravery together so that you don't feel alone in it. And then surround yourself by those like-hearted, like-minded people so that you don't lose your accountability and your momentum in it. So there's a lot of different layers. But the first thing, yes, is you got to get outside your comfort zone, but be intentional about where you go and make sure it's authentic and that it's in alignment with what is 
you know, calling you forward and outside that confined place of, of complacency. I think one of the first most important brave acts one can do is to be radically honest with themselves. Like just owning and being honest with yourself, like, wow, this relationship isn't serving me. Mm-hmm. Even the admission of that is a massive leap of faith mm-hmm. or the admission that, wow, I don't like this career or I don't want this thing or I'm meant to do more. And I think when you make a decision to be radically honest with yourself and when you make that commitment to truly feeling truth and living in that space of truth, the world starts to expand. It's like a seismic shift. It just kind of happens. Like you hit a tectonic plate and now all of a sudden the trajectory of your life is going to change because you can't actually unsee the truth. And and I've always found that like, it's not about going after the next best thing. It's about creating the best next thing. Yeah. And when you just take little steps and you just be honest with yourself, okay, I made this one step. What's the next thing? You just keep listening and you listen. And that just takes you down the path to and even finding these mentors or finding these communities or noticing the people online that are creating the content that you are drawn to. Then that creates the, the snowball effect of life serving you the beauty instead of you trying to create it. Exactly. Because in the beginning, for anyone listening who wants to just dip your baby toe outside the comfort zone, right? It can feel overwhelming of where do I start? How would I, what would that look like? What's the end game? And then we compare our very beginning to someone else's middle or someone else's Mm. final act. And then we're like, oh God, I could never do that because we don't want to be humble enough to suck until we get better at anything new, right? I'm sure that when you started podcasting, you weren't as awesome as you are now, right? I still have my first episodes that I ever did. And I actually... I keep them there because it's a reminder. Sure. Because uh, I want people, I want everyone listening to really see that like you, nobody, nobody starts out guns blazing. And if they do, that means that they had like 50 practice rounds before they officially put it out, which, you know, is a whole nother conversation. But like, yeah, totally. Sorry, yeah. I didn't want to cut you off. But. No, I love that. But it's <laughs> so true, right? So we have to just acknowledge that for our own self, you know. Success leaves clues. It's a well-known phrase in personal development um, and entrepreneurship and any sort of business principles. And so if you can look back at anything that you're currently really good at or proud of, at one point, you did not know how to do that. And again, as basic as you didn't know how to talk, you didn't know how to walk. And if you know how to ride a bike, all those things, right? And that's assuming you have legs and, and you can walk. But of course, that's the majority of people. But my point was, is that if you want to dip a baby toe, you know, just outside the comfort zone, don't be concerned with the how or the long-term plan. Just start, right? There's that Zig Ziglar quote, I'm a quote girl. And it's like, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. And so Mm. I use a phrase that is action breeds clarity. What I'm doing now, two years, three months into me building my business and growing my company looks totally different than when I started. And in fact, I'm not even on the same mission. And, and the people that I work with are not even the, it's the same ilk mindset, et cetera. But the, the types of training programs and coaching programs that I offer, they didn't exist when I started. Why? Because the more action that I take, the more clarity that I get of like, oh, this is actually what I really say. This is what I really believe. Hmm. This is what really lights me up. Do more of that and trust in that process. And so it's not overwhelming when you can allow yourself to just take one little step at a time and trust that something operating on your behalf that pulled you out of the comfort zone in the first place 
will light the next step for your path. So that in a year from now, two years from now, just like Steve Jobs says it is famous commencement speech, is you're going to look back and you're going to be able to connect those dots. Oh, mm -hmm. that's why I did that. That's why I did that. And that's where that led to. But it requires a willingness to get comfortable with uncertainty which is, I think, one of the hardest things we can do as a human because we're looking what we can hold on to. And if we can yeah. let go of the oars and flow downstream is another metaphor. I think everything that we want is just downstream and it doesn't require the paddling upstream, which is the hustle, the grit and the grind or the overthinking. Beautiful. And I have a, I'm going to have a question on that in a second. The, I do want to say, I heard this quote from a mentor of mine starting when I first started. It was, perfectionism is another form of procrastination. And I, I remember him saying that because I, I used to think that I had to have everything figured out before I took my baby step. I, I used to, I, I have to have this figured out. I, I, where's the money coming from? All these things that were outside me. Uh, the source of my certainty was outside me. I had no certainty here, which was confidence and trust and greater things unfolding. And I, I remember the most helpful thing for me when I first started out was I don't have to be 100% sure about something. I just need to believe in something a little bit more than I don't. Yeah. So if I'm like 51% sure or 60% sure that this is a direction that may make me happy, as long as I'm a little bit more sure that I'm not, then go create. And then, like you said, the next thing, will, the, the best next thing will sort of just emerge in that pursuit of feeling. And I think as a culture, we've sort of gone so far removed from feeling and really listening and leaning into that, that intuitive sense of like, oh my gosh, like this feels good to me. It's like we're afraid to feel good about something that isn't necessarily what society says we're supposed to feel good about. Well, especially if it's outside the comfort zone, right? Or it's not what yeah. your friends are doing, or what your spouse is doing, or what your community is doing, or how you were raised, or in your socioeconomic demographics, or whatever, right? All and of it. <laughs> there's, there's so many excuses and self-limiting beliefs to get caught up in why you're not going to follow that good feeling. But I just fundamentally believe that if we trust in that expansive feeling, which I think is the lure of what source is calling us into more being, more power, more impact, more contribution, more growth. That is where all the magic resides, but it has nothing to do with certainty in terms of, mm -hmm. and I don't mean the certainty that you were talking about, which is like a level up from confidence, which is what I teach and cultivate for sure. I mean, a certainty of I've got this house and this job and this spouse and this size of my body, and this is what I do. And if I can just hold on to this, then everything is going to be okay. When that's usually the biggest prison of all. Right. So, yes, we do have to be willing just to look at like, well, what feels really good? What lights me up? What can I talk about all day long? Right. If I got the chance to do that. But oftentimes we're so caught up in the busyness of life, which is, by yeah. the way, mostly distractions from social media and Netflixing, et cetera, that we're not even taking the time to just be with ourselves anymore, which is what you're talking about. The external stuff. If you come back to your internal source, which I believe is made one and a part Brilliant. of all of mine, yeah. yes, right? It's God. I truly believe that. Then we'll stop second guessing as much. By the way, though, I want to say something else that I believe because I get asked all the time because people say to me, Michelle, you're like Wonder Woman. You seem to take single leaps off of tall buildings, you know, every day. And I was like, hmm. yeah. And, and I'm oftentimes scared 
or intimidated, or I got, I have some anxiety, but I do it anyway, because I really believe that the antidote to all that fear is action. And, and sometimes it's micro movements or bite-sized pieces of bravery. And sometimes it is a single leap and bound off of a tall building, or that's how it occurs to someone else. Others might be like, girl, you ain't doing nothing yet. Right. But the point is, is that I move. And so, and when I get stuck and I don't know what to do, I will take the time though, to just listen. Okay. What is happening here? Oh, you're feeling fear. Ooh, you are scared to move forward on that thing because you've got this expectation on it, or you've got the pressure that you have put on it for it to be perfect. Don't do anything then until you transmute that and you come back to your power, which is peace and harmony and oneness with source. Then you'll know what to do from there. So if I'm ever feeling contracted, tense, or triggered, I don't move. Mm. That is also something that I've learned by, by running my business. Because as it started to grow pretty big about a year ago, big for me, everything's relative, but as it tripled in revenue and impact, et cetera, after a year of being in business, I came back to some words that I actually heard Tony Robbins say at his other, one of his other programs called Business Mastery, mm-hmm. which I attended the year before. And, and he said something, he said it once in five days and he's got people who are doing, you know, 10 million a year, hundred million a year, 500 million a year. And then me at that point, I had done like six figures in my new business. And he said that all business growth is a spiritual job. And I remember hearing that thinking I resonate. I don't know what he just meant, but I resonate with that. My soul heard it, but it was a year later when I was like, if I don't love myself and come back to peace, harmony and oneness. And there's no way that the impact that I know I'm here to make can actually be done and felt by others. Well, it's, and it's powerful, you know, it's, I've found business and entrepreneurship to be the most profound spiritual journey I've ever been on. I mean, hands down, uh, the pursuit of something that's bigger than you, something that you, I mean, you learn all your limitations, you find all of your insecurities. I mean, if you are imperfect. If you want to feel imperfect, start a business and let the business and the pursuit of all the things you want, let just all the shadows come to be. And I I really appreciate the way you, you said to slow down because, you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I truly believe when you can, when you're afraid, that doesn't like your fear response kicks in and your body, which hasn't been calibrated since the Stone Ages to really learn how to differentiate between somebody attacking you online with a saber-toothed tiger running into your room and trying to eat you, our bodies haven't calibrated to that. So just because you experience fear, insecurity, jealousy, doubt, anxiety, all of the negative emotions that we've sort of learned to run from just because you experience those feelings doesn't make you those feelings. Exactly. Right? Just because you're angry does not mean you're an angry person. Just because you're afraid does not make you a coward. Just because you're jealous does not make you spiteful. Just because you experience an emotion does not make you the emotion. And I love the practice that you have of just slowing down and having power because in that power in your being those emotions are just flowing through you. Emotions are just energy in motion. You, they come in, they go. Happiness doesn't last forever. Sadness doesn't last forever. But being and power and peace and all those undercurrents of the human experience, that is truly who we are. Beautiful. And I don't, think, I don't think there's anything more powerful than challenge and adversity and crisis. 
for to help us come to realize that. Right. You get to meet yourself on the mat in the arena, right? To quote, you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time, man in the arena. Yeah. I want to be playing alongside in life, whether we're in business together or a personal relationship or a friendship or community. I want to be surrounded by people who are in the arena, right? And the gateway, by the way, just slowing down because people say, well, how do you slow down? And, And the thing that I have found that's been the most effective for me is it's really simple stuff. Some deep breaths. Once I slow my nervous system down by some deep, deep breathing, then I'm able to get in touch with what I'm feeling. And then Brene Brown uh, touches on this a lot. You know, she's got a PhD and 20 years of research and 400,000 documents to back it up. And she talks about this all the time on her own podcast and definitely in her books. She's one of my favorite mentors. And she says that the research shows that once you can get access to what you're feeling, which is, I think the gateway is the breath work, just a few deep breaths, slow it all down. Whoa, hold on, let's pause. And then you can name what it is that you're feeling. Just like you said, I can have fear, but it doesn't mean I'm fearful. I can be jealous, but it doesn't mean I'm a jealous person. I'm just experiencing jealousy right now, right? Or the rage that we can all be feeling right now is the collective consciousness for the the inexhaustible racial injustices that just seem to just never end. But so once you can identify whatever it is that's coursing through you, it's not you. That is then how the power is you can transmute the power of that so that you can come back to the truth of who you are, which is Mm. peace, harmony, and unity. And so, but so it's first breathing. What am I feeling? Ah, I got rage just coursing through my nervous system right now. Okay. Hey, rage, what's up? (laughs) Right. That's it. The moment that you name it and claim it, it begins to transmute. Now, remember, this is not just me saying this. This is her 20 years and 400,000 pieces of data to back this up. So why try to do something different when it can be that simple? And I use it with my private clients all the time. I've got, you know, top CEOs, et cetera, that at first when I would bring this stuff up to them, like, are you kidding me? Like I'm paying you for this. And it works every single time. It's amazing. So I would encourage everyone to try it on. You know, it's interesting. The late Ram Das, one of my favorite songs slash meditations tracks that he's gotten or he's done is one called I am loving awareness. Mm. And all he does is just continue repeating. I am loving awareness, which translates to, I love everything I become aware of. And so yeah. when you practice that, when you put that into practice, so simple yet there's so much to that. Like when you become aware of your feelings, when you become aware of a belief, when you become aware of a shortcoming, when you become aware of a mistake, you can practice love, like treat yourself like someone you love. Like if someone, if you, if you came up with that and you, you experienced this in someone you love, how would you hold space for them? Would you immediately go and start attacking and judging and go into that? No, you would create a container that allowed those feelings to exist and then you can love them so that they can feel better and then move forward and recognize that those mistakes are not them. And I think we deserve that same level of conscious hugging, right? Like, I mean, it's really like you're giving yourself, you're giving your soul a hug or your soul is giving your ego a hug. I got that from Panache. He's a Panache Desai. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. And he's just, he always says that. He's like, Raj, uh, enlightenment is just your soul giving your ego a hug. But it's so true because, and this is what I love most about your message when you go back to heart-based leadership and really leading from your heart, you're really leaning into the idea that our heart 
And the entry point to it, whether it's through your breath or through an idea of loving awareness or through practices that bring you back into your body is truly bringing you outside of this human experience into this understanding that our spirits are so much more. I love that you brought up Panache, by the way. He's one of my dearest friends as well. He's been on my show. And he, by the way, is the one who told me what I do. He's like, you are a heart-centered entrepreneur. You are a heart-centered leader. Isn't that interesting? I just remembered that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put that up on my Instagram bio. And he's like, you should, because it's who you are. Um, (laughs) Right? Because he's also evolving quite a bit right now. He says the 2.0 version of Panache Desai is the 1.0 version. It's like with COVID and then everything that's happening, he was on a book tour and all got all of it got yep. canceled. So he went back to the basics of how he started, you know, just doing meditations and one-on-ones. And, and he was like, I have never been more fulfilled. And of course, his business is growing because when you're intentional about the place that you're coming from, and it's not about the accolades or getting on Super Soul Sunday or how many books have sold, and you come back to why you're doing it in the first place, you know, I mean, for me, I don't know if you've ever been to any of his in-person immersions or things like that. Yeah. Panache started his book tour in Austin. And I, I live in Austin. Book tour, the one for You Are Enough? You Are Enough. Okay, and yeah. so, yeah, that's when that's when we, I spent like a whole weekend with him, just hanging out with him and Jan. And it was just like, it was, it was just magical getting to really lean into him and, and the way he serves. And it was really, really, really special for souls. me. I cannot wait to let him know. And I'm sure you will too. Or yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. I, you know, in fact, I'll take a little photo when we're done recording. Cause you'll love that. I met him at Rhythmia in November nice. of last Beautiful, year. Yeah. So here we were sipping on ayahuasca. I was invited by Jack Canfield, which was such a great honor. And then there were a bunch of other people that were going there. Cause Jack, it was a private event. It was invite only. And so I found myself there and I had never even heard of Panache, which sounds crazy to me now. Right. Cause like, I know, right. That's what I said. Like, (laughs) and I was like, how have I, and, but again, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And while his teaching shows up in the form of friendship, I also learned from him. So I pay to go to his immersions. I pay to be a part of his year long impact program because I said to him, if I, only studied with you or actually applied what you give to me on our calls. I don't need a business coach, a relationship coach. I don't need any of those other things. I could, if I just come from my soul, which is everything that he's about, as you know. And that's why I think in these past seven months, my life feels like a dream that's better than any dream I could have imagined from a conscious place. Yes. Because I believe I came in proximity to some of Panache's teachings I don't, he won't allow me to give him the credit because that's, that's correct. He's like, no, I give the same stuff to a lot of people. You're one of the few that actually takes it on and applies it. You live it, you get honest about it, and then you roll it out and you model it. He's like, that separates you from the, you know, not the average. I don't need to be special, but he doesn't like to take credit, which I love because he's so humble. But he also showed me what it means to lead with tough love. I've been in five day rooms with him where it's a small group and I've wanted to punch his eyes out and strangle him and kill him and leave the event. I've had those rageful feelings. He's the one who got me in touch with, you just got a whole bunch of rage in you. And I was like, no, I don't. I've been spiritual for 30 years. And he's like, yeah, you do. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) and he was like, and by the way, so does every human on the planet. He's like, and we need to give ourselves permission to let that rage have an outlet. Anyway, I could go off about him, but yeah. it's just a, little, a little mini masterclass on Panache Desai. But the point is, is that going back to proximity and getting in the rooms, 
if I hadn't gone to Rhythmia and flown to Costa Rica and got in that room and been willing to do something I was scared as shit to do, which was to try ayahuasca because I had never quote, done anything like that in my life, I wouldn't have met Panache and then a really great guy that I dated for a while named Raj, which was kind of funny. Interesting. Rajas are great. Yeah, it's, Rajas are great. And, and then be here now with yeah. this new awareness that I'm in love with and grateful for. Yeah, I mean, I could also talk hours about Panache. Um, <laughs> we should tell him that we talked literally for like like half the podcast about him. He'd about be so him. thrilled. You'll love, <laughs> <Just, laughs> love it. Um, no, but it's so true because you know I've and you mentioned this. You know, when the student's ready, the master appears, right? And it's not even about because I, I know a lot of people listening probably even now and at some point in my life too. I was so trying to go find the mentors. I was like, it's this person and it has to be that person. And it's this person. I was so fixated that it had to be this, had to be this, had to be this. But when you, when you take a step back and you listen and you really feel into your body and you start to get clear on alignment from that place of heart, like, what do I want? Why do I want it? Why does this drive me? What are my values? What excites me? When you truly align there, yeah. then it's like you're, you've got a filter on your eyes and you can start to see people through their hearts, as opposed to what they've done, as opposed to what their mind is doing. The, like, you start to feel into the people that need to be in your life. Like, I remember some of my first mentors are the ones that I really leaned to with heart-based mentorship. Like, there's no way I would have like actively sought them out or been like, this is the person. But something about being in their presence, something about knowing my own heart just connected. And you feel into it. Beautiful. You feel into it. And then the flip side of that, not that there's just one or two sides to anything. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. But one of the things that came up for me as you were sharing that is when you feel into it, you also know when to say no and who to say no to. And you also, depending on your level of integrity and how aware you are of what that even means. And again, no judgment on anyone, because I certainly learn new things about myself every single day, which I love getting caught up on like certain people on your podcast or getting onto certain people's stages or getting into certain people's rooms. If you don't vibe on a soul level with them and you know that they're out of integrity with maybe your core fundamental values and morals, then don't go into those rooms because all that stuff comes back, right? Or don't collaborate with that person just because they have a big list or they're a high profile name. I believe in going, this is why I don't hustle grit and grind. I just believe in going slow and flowing and feeling my way into knowing what's right and what's next. You know, I have a program with Ginny, our producer, that I'm really deeply proud of that's lighting me up more now than ever with virtually everything I do. We, we take students through a podcast accelerator program from idea to launching a published produced show by the end of the program. We're the only ones to do it on the entire planet. We're crazy and it's awesome. But mm. even that program, I felt into my role yeah. as a leader and what else I could do as I reflect on my own life and my own journey, what's helped me and where have I grown the most and what's given me more access to just making a deeper, more lasting impact. And it's like a podcast. Gosh, if I could help people do that, you know, and, but again, feeling into that, but then knowing that Jenny, Jenny, I love you if you're listening, if knowing that Jenny and I would be so aligned because we knew our lanes and we knew our purpose and we, and we were just, anyway, it's the most beautiful business partnership. But even that again, a year ago, I wouldn't have been on my radar, but I'm feeling into knowing what's next that aligns with everything that's coming forward for me now. It's, it's beautiful. Well, I think it's, it's trusting. And I, this is what I think actually, because I've been going through a bit of a Renaissance period in my life, like 
broke up with my girlfriend of eight years, like ending business partnerships, like starting new ones, just like going through this massive resurgence and sort of trusting my instincts and allowing the flow of life to guide what's next for me. It's it's been life changing and transformative. To someone though, to to hear that, like, Whoa. oh, it's, yeah, like wow, Raj, like what the hell, right? Like, there's a lot coming up for me, but I think one of the most profound things I'm really experiencing right now is just recognizing which feelings and which things are are desire and fear, mm-hmm. right? Because like like when you're pulled by desire, right, a desire to start something, a desire to change your life, a desire to do something. It feels different than like the fear of not having or a fear or a need to do something or an obligation to be somewhere or like a a nicety, if you would. And I think that you can only start to differentiate and taste the rainbow, the rainbow of desire to fear, like the two sides. You can only do that by learning to make decisions. And again, that 51%, are you 51% sure that you really want this? And just leaning into that, tasting it, and then you taste the fruits of desire. And if it's delicious, keep going. And if it's delicious, keep creating. And you just keep manifesting in that way. And then over time, your compass just starts calibrating towards feeling like like you start to trust those feelings. And I've, I mean, last month has just been like a roller coaster, but of the best kind, because for the first time in my life, I'm actually listening to the voice Mm -hmm. and I'm making decisions based on that. And they're not always the best decisions, but that's okay because I'm learning to trust and feel my way into freedom. I think that's one of the best things. That's the best gift we can give ourselves is to feel our way into freedom because your freedom is going to feel so different than mine. The things that light me up are going to be so different than yours, but at the same time, they're going to be the same because we all come from the same beautiful place of love expansion and heart. Yeah. And when people say to me, because, you know, you probably are aware of this, but the most fundamental difficult question for almost anyone on the planet to answer is, well, what do you want? I don't know what I want. I don't know what my purpose is. Oh my God, I'm screwed. Right. I hear a lot of people say, I don't know what I want. I don't know what my podcast would be about. I don't know what I would say as a leader, but I know I want to do something. And it's like, all right, well, if you start from peace, going back to this whole, this is like, it's a, it's a theme in this conversation. It's if you beautiful. come back to peace and you're not distracted and you get quiet enough to actually listen, you will know, and you already do know, but it's just covered up by so much noise. Mm. Oh, so much from noise. there, then you just take one little bite-sized piece of bravery at a time. Don't think you got to do it all now and quit the job and quit the relationship. Not everyone's going to do big Raj moves like that. And you didn't do that overnight either. That was like no. a, an accumulation, I'm sure, of a lot of self-reflection, growing your business, coming into more in alignment with who you are as a leader in this space. And what do you want that to look like? And anything that wasn't that didn't look and feel like that was no longer going to be a fit. And I'm sure that didn't just happen without hard conversations of some efforting and some trying to bridge a divide of just, you know, where it wasn't really lining up. But when, when those conversations happen or when you've tried everything you can and it's still just not a fit, then we've got to know ourselves and love ourselves enough to be like, and I got to let go. Kind of like what you were saying earlier, you know, everything that we want does require oftentimes a letting go of what we currently have, which is the uncertainty. Peace and uncertainty coexist. And it seems like a dichotomy, but it is the most beautiful state And I never in a million years would have imagined that I would be saying that and believing that 
two years ago. What? No, I had to hold on to my job on extra, which by the way, I did hold on to until literally six weeks ago. You know, I was still Mm. holding on, even though I knew, I knew I was done with that. It took two years after I woke up because I was like, well, it is fun. You know, I mean, and, and like a few people in the planet gets to be on a show that big and, and it doesn't take away from what I'm doing. It only yeah. adds to more credibility. But the bottom line is, is that when I'd walk, actually just drive there, getting ready to go there, my whole soul was closing down. Mm. And it was like, this is not what you're supposed to be doing anymore. Who cares if you're on TV? This is not you anymore. So the soul will always tell you, but we got to get quiet enough to listen. Soul is banging on the door. Soul's Sometimes it's the soul is just like a wrecking ball tornado that just comes <laughs> in and just wrecks the whole place. And then the all of a sudden putting you back together. Uh, no, you actually end up liking the mess. Yeah. I realized that like, it comes in, messes everything up. And you're like, oh, actually, I'm just going to keep this messy for a little while. This is actually kind of yeah. nice. Not having to clean up my life. I'm going to waddle around in all this bask in glory. Oh my gosh. Uh, Michelle, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. You're amazing. So fun. But I want to, uh, so talk to us about just, uh, you're, you're doing so much amazing work and it's leading from your heart and it feels so connected. Now I get it. I get how everything you're doing is like just part of this amazing next chapter of impact for you. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, how can people find you? How can people get involved? All of it. Thank you for that. I so appreciate your kind words. I too feel like we could talk a lot. I'd love to have you on my show, my friend. It would be awesome. Best place to find me, depends, whatever your favorite flavor is. My website is michelle-sorrow.com. There's no W at the end of my name. And then um, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn are my favorite platforms. And it's just my name, Michelle Sorrow. Yeah, I'm just... I love to connect. I am, you know, again, a heart-centered courage activator. So I, you know, I'm here to help anyone step outside that comfort zone for a life of greater fulfillment, more freedom. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Well, we'll make all those links available in the show notes, friends. I've got one last question for you. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Mm. Gratitude is my religion. Deep breathing mm. is my religion staying away from news and toxic social media or anything that I don't resonate with. It's huge time in nature for sure. I go to this park that overlooks the Pacific ocean here in Santa Monica. I'm on the bluffs with my pop pup six days a week minimum. And I just lay in the grass under the palm trees and we're just having the best time. And that's how I recharge and refuel. And I also go slow. I, I demand spaciousness in my schedule. I have learned how to be productive over busy and I just, I'm in no rush, honestly. And so those are some of the ways that I stay grounded. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Michelle, again, it's been such, uh, I'm so grateful for a chance to have danced with you for the last hour. Super fun. I'm excited to get to know you better. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj, and this is your new friend, Michelle. And from us, stay grounded. Chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast 
Read in our thoughtful posts or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.